0: Hey, welcome everyone. Welcome, welcome. So, I was getting ready to go out and drive and make some deliveries, right? Get ready to go work. And my tire light was on. (laughs) Which it actually came on last, on Sunday. And I should have taken care of it then. But, yeah, I thought, oh, I was like, oh, maybe my tire is just low, you know, just put some air in it. I tried to look for a defect in it. I like, didn't see the defect. I didn't see any holes. I didn't see any nails. So I just aired it up and I said, all right, this is I was risking it. So I went, yeah, Monday, all of Sunday, all of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'm about to sing that song. <laughs> all the uh, old school music heads know that song sunday monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday anyway all right um yeah sorry i got distracted uh, <laughs> but uh yeah i went all those days and I risked it Wrist it and praise the lord i didn't get a flat tire thank god the whole time but anyway yeah the light came back on today And so I took it up to Goodyear where I bought the tire from. Now, here's the thing about tires. Tires, sorry, I told you I wasn't going to talk about my personal life too much, but I just have to rant about this for a minute. This is what I don't don't get about tires. I don't understand tires, right? So you get the manufacturer warranty that comes with it when you just buy the tire, right? And it covers like up to about 60,000 miles. And that's only if the tire blows out. So by this time, the tire is blown out. If it blows out before 60,000 miles, they're supposed to replace your tire, right? Give you a new tire. I don't know how that works. What exactly do you define as a blowout? Insurance just warranties just are a scam to me. So anyway, and most of the time, the 60,000 miles, who came up with that number? I don't understand that because most of the time when your tire gets to the point where it's bald, you replace it anyway. So you replace it before the 60,000 miles. And then they offer this fun little thing called tire, a road hazard insurance, right? Which covers like uh, potholes, you know, hidden curves, nails, all that kind of stuff. So the way I understand it, I still don't fully understand it, but I, the way I understand it, if you pay this twenty five dollars twenty yeah it's twenty five bucks is what they usually cost, you pay this, and uh, per tire per tire not all four tires per tire you pay twenty you could buy a brand new tire if you got road hazard insurance on all four of your tires with that price right so it's like this game this this, this roulette game you play right so uh let me turn this off real quick I forgot so. It's per tire, $25, and it, yeah, so the way I understand it is if the tire gets damaged anyway, like my tire, I found out, when I took it up there, it, I found out it has a hole in it, I actually saw, it was really light outside, last time when I looked at it, it was overcast, I couldn't really see very well, but it's, even though it's overcast today, the sun was coming out a little bit more, and it's brighter, and the lady was with me, and the tire was turned just right to the point where we could see the actual hole, right, we could see it and we were like she's like, i don't know if we're gonna be able to fix that so if they can't fix it then they will replace it for free because i have the road hazard on it so let's pray that they just replace my tire for free or technically for the 25 dollars that i paid for the road hazard um but yeah and then she's like would you like to you know when we replace if we end up replacing it would you like to you know get road hazard again i was like nah i was gonna take my chances next time so anyway i don't know i was telling my brother eventually i'd like to get one of those nice those pay for those nice tires that are the never flats the only thing about the never flats is you can't patch them so anyway usually those are usually in luxury cars you can't patch them you can't put uh, what is that stuff called? Fix a flat in them, in them, yeah, because it doesn't need fix a flat. But once, once they go flat, I mean, once, the, yeah, because it's supposed to get you by for so many miles to get you to a safe destination, but they can't repair them yet, and you got to replace them. So, anyway, the tire game. It seems like in twenty twenty one, they should be making tires that never, yeah, they should always never go flat. They should be invincible, like we got tires that can land planes they should be able to make tires that never go bald and never go flat but hey that's how they make money uh, it's called yeah planned obsolescence i was talking to my dad about that How cars everything batteries you name it is made to this phone that i'm talking on is made to eventually be obsolete to break down so that you have to go buy something else so that's how our economy keeps going but I don't really like that method of an economy. Anyway, now that I ranted about tires for what five minutes, let's read a let's read a psalm. This is actually gonna be a long chapter. I'm not gonna read it a second time. Um, I think with some of the shorter chapters, I'll read them twice. But since this one is like fifty verses, I'm going to just read it and then read the Tony Evans notes. But before we do that, let's go ahead and read a psalm and pray it through. Hey, I'll just flip right to Psalm 23. Can't go wrong with that one. All right. This is a Psalm of David, one of the classics. Um, I have the more King James version of it memorized, but we're reading from the Christian standard version, which is slightly different. So here he goes. The Lord is our shepherd. Thank you, Lord, that you are our shepherd. We have all that we need. You allow us to lie down in green pastures. You lead us beside quiet waters. You renew our life. You lead us along the right paths for your name's sake. Even when we go through the darkest of valleys, we will fear no danger. For you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. You prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You anoint our heads with oil. And our cup, our cup, not (laughs) club, our cups overflow. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue us all the days of our lives. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as we live. We thank you for this word, Lord. We thank you in the name of Jesus, especially that our that you've anointed our heads with oil. We're going to talk about that, that anointing, that covering, that protection. There's protection, there's power in the anointing. And we thank you that our cups overflow with blessing, God, even when we don't deserve um we don't deserve any of it, God. We didn't even deserve your son Jesus dying for us, but you did it anyway, God. We thank you for that. We thank you for that. We thank you for that. And we thank you that your goodness and your faithful love pursue us all the days of our lives. And we dwell in your house forever and ever, even when it doesn't seem like Your your goodness and your faithful love are pursuing us, Lord. They are pursuing us. Even during, I pray for those that are in, especially me, that are in the same boat as me in that waiting period, that desert period where you just, ah, the struggles, the the mental fatigue, the loneliness, the sadness, the depression, all of that. We just give it to you. We lift it up to you. We thank you, Lord, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we pray this word, Exodus 12, would touch the hearts of people all around the world that they'll get something new from it. And it would transform their minds, transform their hearts. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Alright, so, hope you were blessed by that Psalm 23. Alright, here we go. <clears throat> we're in Exodus 12 and Exodus 11. Um, do we need to do a recap of all the plagues? Nah, we want going to do all that. Yeah, it won't hurt. It won't hurt. So, once again, for the last time, we had the Plague of the Blood, the Plague of the Frogs, the Plague of the Book. Uh, plague number three was the Bugs. Um, why would it say it just Bugs? I guess that would have been the Lice. Hold on a second. I still, you, all this time later, I'm still struggling. Which which, what Plague Three was? The Nets. There we go. The Nets. that was Plague (laughs) 3. And then Plague, uh, the Scythus, as some might say. And Plague 4 would have been the, well, once again, the debate is over wild animals versus, uh, what did we say? I'm tripping out my bad. Hold on a second. I keep freezing on this one. It was, yeah, the debate is over whether it was, where is it, four, plague four, the four, yeah, the swarm of flies, there we go, flies, 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 flies or wild animals, wild beasts, once again, I still need to read that article about that, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna read it, I promise and then i don't know if i'll be able to share it on here but i'll probably will write eventually i'm going to start writing blog posts so i'll just write some type of blog post or a medium post about that and then plague number five was pestilence um or uh death of the livestock um plague number six was the boils on all the people's bodies plague number seven was the hail storm and then plague number eight was the locust plague number nine was darkness or turn off the light the lights were turned off in all the all over Egypt, except for where the israelites were in the land of goshen and then plague number 10 is the death of the firstborn which we introduced in exodus 11 but he was saying that he was going to do that, but he doesn't actually do it yet. So now we're going to actually hear the details in Exodus twelve of the plague of the Passover, the death, the death of the firstborn, and the how. Yeah, just, 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 just follow with me. Just ride with me. Here we go. The Lord said to Moses, "He yeah, has Exodus twelve instructions for the Passover." Once again, I'm reading from the Christian Standard Version Bible, the Tony Evans Study Bible. So here we go. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month is the beginning is the beginning of months for you. It is the first. Let me go back. All right. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month is to be the beginning of months for you. It is the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, they must each select an animal of the flock according to their father's families. One animal per family. If the household is too small for a whole animal, that person and the neighbor nearest his house are to select one based on the combined number of people. You should apportion the animal according to what each will eat. You must have an unblemished animal, a year old male. You must take it from either the sheep or the goats. You are to keep it until the 14th day of this month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel will slaughter the animals at twilight. <laughs> unblemished. Hmm. All right. All right, verse seven. They must take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses The houses where they eat them. They are to eat the meat that night. They should eat it roasted over the fire, along with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or cooked in boiling water, but only roasted over fire. Its head, as well as its legs and inner organs, you must leave, not leave any of it until morning any part of it left until morning, you must burn. Here is how you must eat it. You must be dressed for travel, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. You are to eat it in a hurry. It is the Lord's Passover. Verse 12, I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and strike every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, both people and animals. Uh, animals. I am the Lord. I will execute judgments against all the gods of Egypt. The blood on the houses where you are staying with will be a distinguishing mark for you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will be among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is is to be a memorial for you, and you must celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. You are to celebrate it throughout your generations as a permanent statute. You must eat unleavened bread for seven days. On the first day, you must remove yeast from your houses. Whoever eats what is leavened from the first day through the seventh day must be cut off from Israel. You are to hold a sacred assembly on the first day and and another sacred assembly on the seventh day. No work may be done on those days except for preparing what people need to eat. You may do only that. You are to observe the festival of unleavened bread because on this very day I brought your military divisions out of the land of Egypt. You must observe this day throughout your generations as a permanent statute. You are to eat unleavened bread in the first month from the evening of the 14th day of the first of the month until the evening of the 21st day. Yeast must not be found in your houses for seven days. If anyone eats something leavened, that person, whether a resident alien or a native of the land, must be cut off from the community of Israel. Do not eat anything leavened. Eat unleavened bread in all your homes. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go select an animal from the flock according to your families and slaughter the Passover animal. Take a cluster of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and brush the lintel and the two doorposts with some of the blood in the basin. None of you may go out the door of his house until morning. When the Lord passes through to strike Egypt and sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, he will pass over the door and not let the destroyer into your houses to strike you keep this command permanently as a statute for you and your descendants when you enter the land of that the land that the Lord will give you as he promised you are to observe this ceremony when your children ask you what does this ceremony mean to you are you to reply You are. You are to reply. It is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord, for he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and spared our homes. So the people knelt low and worshiped. When the Israelites went and did this, they did just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. The Exodus. Now, verse twenty nine. Now at midnight, the Lord struck every firstborn male in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon and every firstborn of the livestock. During the night, Pharaoh got up. He, along with all his officials and all the Egyptians, and there was a loud wailing throughout Egypt because there was wasn't a house without someone dead. He summoned Moses and Aaron during the night and said, "Get out immediately from among my people, both you and the Israelites, and go worship the Lord as you have said. Take even your flocks and your herds as you asked, and leave. And also bless me." That's Pharaoh talking, verse thirty-three, and also bless me. Wow. hilarious all right verse 33 now the egyptians pressured the people in order to send them quickly out of the country for they said we're all going to die so the people took their dough before it was leavened with their kneading bowls wrapped up in their clothes on their shoulders the israelites acted on moses's word and asked the egyptians for silver and gold items and for silver and gold items and for clothing And the Lord gave the people such favor with the Egyptians that they gave them what they requested. In this way, they plundered the Egyptians. Verse 37, the Israelites traveled from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 able-bodied men on foot besides their families. A mixed crowd also went up with them, along with a huge number of livestock, both flocks and herds. The people baked the dough they had brought out of Egypt into unleavened loaves. Since it had no yeast for when they were driven out of Egypt, they could not delay, they could not delay and had not prepared provisions for themselves. The time that the Israelites lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that same day, all the Lord's military divisions went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of vigil in, a, in honor of the Lord, because he would bring them out of the land of Egypt. This same night is in honor of the Lord, a night vigil. A night vigil for all the Israelites throughout their generations. Passover instruction, verse 43. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner may eat it, but any slave, any slave a man has purchased may eat it after you have circumcised him. A temporary resident or hired worker may not eat the Passover. It is to be eaten in one house. You may not take any of the meat outside the house, and you may not break any of its bones. The whole community of Israel must celebrate it. If an alien resides among you and wants to observe the Lord's Passover, every male in his household must be circumcised and then he may participate. He will become like a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person may eat it. The same law will apply to both the native and the alien who resides among you. Then all the Israelites did this. They did just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. On that same day, the Lord brought the Israelites out of the land of Egypt according to their military divisions wow that was a lot all right here we go we're going to read these notes down here the name passover arises from the fact that the lord would pass through the land and strike every firstborn male but he would pass over homes bearing the blood Passover foreshadowed the coming of the Lord Jesus and his atoning death. To make sure his followers didn't miss the connection, Paul told the church, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. That's in 1 Corinthians 5, 7. It was through the events of the first Passover that Israel was set free from slavery. Through placing faith in Christ's substitutionary death, we likewise are set free from slavery to sin. That's from you can read Romans six, seventeen and eighteen that clarifies that some more. Uh God had our salvation too in mind on that fateful night in Egypt. This is the beauty of the Bible in that as you chew on it, you see all the you connect all these dots and this is all a foreshadowing. Just it all, like just when the Bible, like just when you just read things, and it seems insignificant, or it seems significant in just that time. I'm sure this, this is what I'm trying to say. The children of Israel did not probably they did not realize the significance of everything that was happening to them, and everything they were going through during the time because they they hadn't seen Jesus yet. I don't even think Jesus had been prophesied yet. Yeah, they didn't even know anything about Jesus yet, right? Um, I don't think up until this point Yeah, he hasn't been prophesied about yet so that great cloud of witnesses of children of Israel who are in heaven now who are looking down on us, this generation here in 2021 are looking at us like wow, they actually our generation might be the one that actually sees the coming of Christ, right? the very Passover lamb that they were going through this whole experience, all of this all of these things were foreshadows to jesus simple as that and when we get to revelation and i think ezekiel talks about it too the mark um in ezekiel anyone who had the mark um, wasn't destroyed in revelation yeah they talk about the mark of the beast um yeah keep in mind i'm not going to go once again sometimes i want to jump ahead i get excited but just, I just have like a list of keywords that, <laughs> um, I keep log on. That yeah, what did I say? Firstborn phrases. Firstborn. Uh, remember that and remember the mark, the mark and the blood, the blood, the significance of the blood, the mark, the distinguishing mark. Then putting, yeah, their mark on their doorposts so that they were protected from their firstborn being destroyed. The classic Charleston Heston movie, I think it's Charleston Heston does it. Um yeah, the the Ten Commandments does a really good job of uh depicting um this this actually this scene. It's one of the it's kind of a scary scene, but it's a very good scene um of what was happening with the Passover. All right, it says yeast, sometimes called leaven, is often symbolic of sin. In the Bible, eating un—you uh, can see Luke twelve one, First Corinthians five six through eight—talk about um, yeast, like the yeast of the Pharisees. You'll, yeah, we'll talk about that later on. Eating unleavened bread would remind the Israelites of their hasty Exodus. There is so every time they ate, every time the Jews practice, um, they keep Passover. My I actually came from a home. My family personally didn't do it, but my grandmother and my grandfather on both sides of my family, the grandfathers they kept the Sabbath and they kept the path they did the Passover. In fact, that's how my parents met. My dad had to drive my aunt Beulah uh, to Passover in Baltimore, and that's how he met my mom when she was a young little thirteen year old and he was eighteen. Times were different back then. <laughs> but anyway, uh that's a whole other story. But Yes, they used to keep the Passover and follow all those rituals and um anyway, anytime anytime even as Christians is when we partake in communion and we eat the unleavened bread, uh it's a symbol of it's a symbol of this and Jesus who is who's is our Passover lamb. Um Yes, yeah, so anytime they ate unleavened bread, it was a reminder. These things that we do are reminders. They're not what saves us. Communion doesn't save us. Keeping the Passover is not what saves us. It's accepting his son Jesus and what he did for us when the cross dying for us and this foreshadowing that happened back way back then. Um those are there we just do these things in remembrance. Like so even when we do communion, it says, do this in remembrance of me. And so back then this was they didn't, once again, they didn't have Jesus, but they had these reminders of God rescuing them and the yeah the hasty exodus that they had to do it says their deliverance happened so quickly that there was no time to use yeast to allow the bread to rise before they hit the road yeah my former wife was a baker so I actually got to witness this a lot she would make like hollow bread and some other yeah, she made just homemade breads sometimes, or she would make apple pie and um the dough. She would make the dough fr- uh, yeah the bread, the crust, the bread crust for it. So the dough had to rise overnight. The pie dough, and so yeah, it's interesting. You put in she would put in like a dark corner of the kitchen. Like I didn't see my mom. Well, I remember my mom had a bread maker when I was a kid, but I never saw her actually do the process of letting dough rise I never really paid attention to that but when i was married i got the witnesses firsthand yeah my former wife she would have this bowl you put the all the ingredients with the yeast and then you put it in like like a dark corner of the kitchen or whatever and then put a towel over the bowl and just let it in plastic over and, and just let it do its thing overnight and then in the morning it would be this big old heap of dough that had risen overnight and so anyway um yeah, as we read more, it's going to talk about the significant, the symbolism of sin and leaven, um, yeast, leaven, all that. And yeah, we're going to tie that in some more. We're going to talk about that more. It's interesting. It's like somehow I'm just making a connection in my head here. Like the fact that them being in Egypt represented, them staying in Egypt represented like the sinful that was a sinful land that they were in and to stay there would have been in dis to stay there would have been in disobedience to God it's interesting there's so many just things that are just firing off in my head I'm just thinking about just like yeah with yeast representing, it takes time for yeast and leaven to rise hmm Anyway, yeah, keep in mind, there we go Another punch word, yeast, leaven, all that And how it relates to sin We won't go there right now Alright, so it says, other notes say The festival would provide a teaching tool for future generations When Jewish children asked their parents the meaning of Passover The parents were to explain how God had judged Egypt and delivered his people That's probably one of the biggest things, I think I'm trying to think in the Christian church right now, we have gotten away from a lot of our traditions and, and to not come across as religious or, you know, ritualistic, legalistic. A lot of the modern day free evangel- evangelical churches have gotten away from a lot of the rituals. So, yeah, I... Th- I think that it's kind of a detriment to the next generation. They don't. That's the one thing I do. Even though, yeah, my grandpa's church on both sides could have had a lot of legalism, legalism in it. That tradition, something about it, there's something beautiful about it. Just seeing them, the way they don't have instruments, the instruments of their voices, uh, they don't even have tambourines or, you know pianos or whatever they have a shepherd boy and the way they dress and they march around the church there's like this pride that comes with it like when you tell your children like this is why we do this this is why we do that this is why we pray this way this is why because this is significance of what god did for us and it ties back for generations thousands of generations you're part of this grand history and i think a lot of times that's missing from the modern day church is like knowing where you come from and why we do the things that we do i think the jews do have an advantage over us and that is like they have this rich tradition and like the songs and the dancing and the the clapping and just the joy i don't know there's there's a dark side to it too but (laughs) anyway um i i there's just feeling like you're a part of something um i don't know so and just see it passing those stories on it gets lost. It's been lost in our generation. I feel like that's, I think that's a big reason why a lot of our generation doesn't really want to go to church because that balance of legalism versus like the traditions, knowing why we do the things that we do and like embracing those traditions. So, and there's so much, there's so much deeper levels to this because you have ethnicity and you have there's so many layers to this. Like I know that's why, like that's why it's so hard for some people to, for a lot of uh, Muslims. I'm, I can't speak a whole lot on this because I'm not Muslim. I didn't grow up Muslim, and then the whole Islam is like this. A uh, part of your your not just your ethnicity, but it's also there's an ethnicity tied to it, and there's also like you're so steeped in it. Like to leave that religion is to basically deny everything that's that that's part of you. And to deny all the traditions and the way you dress, the way you talk, the way you everything. So and you lose your family. So to walk away from that. So anyway, I'm just keep reading these notes and I'm going to close it out. So uh, it says Pharaoh had led his nation to cruelly enslave Israel and rebellious rebelliously despise Israel's God. As a result, Egypt was drinking the cup of God's wrath. Hmm. It says, with women and children, the people of Israel would have numbered over 2 million. The mixed crowd indicates that non-Israelites accompanied accompanied them. Marriages to Egyptians, much like those of Joseph and Eleazar, would have produced dark-skinned offspring such as Phineas, as well as a merging of the bloodlines between Nubians and Semites. The Israelites, 430 years in Egypt, had finally come to an end, just as the Lord had promised Abraham that they would. Mm, So I really want to read more about that, because once again, I think I talked about this before when I brought up Phinehas earlier is. Growing up in church, just from the pictures that are in the movies, the cartoons the handouts that you get. the You name the film. All the stuff that you're taught in church as a kid. The the puppet shows. You would think there was no black people in the Bible. I mean, I went to predominantly. I've been to all types of churches. Predominantly black churches. Predominantly white churches. Mixed churches. All that. But. Even in the black churches. you You don't get this sense that jesus had had a tan at least he had some brown in him and that most of these people that we learn about in the bible were brown so yeah i need to read more about that and uh yeah i'm interested in just going deeper into that at some point but not right now so this is something yeah on my own and when i blog like i said i'll go deeper into some of these things all right. Lastly, it says the Israelites are not permitted to break any of the Passover sacrifices bones. According to the New Testament, this was also fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the true Passover lamb. When Jesus was crucified, the soldiers did not break his legs. This is something I'm confused about. I've, been, I've thought about this a few different times, multiple times. Is if why do we why when we do communion do we when we say this we do this and remember so yeah we uh when we when we when there's not the little wafer crackers but when it's like um, even yeah even in like the movies it shows like Jesus like was breaking the bread and handing parts of it out I don't know. I guess I gotta read that Read more about that Because it's it's confusing When I think about it It's like why are we breaking the bread And it's supposed to be significant Or symbolized Isn't that symbolizing his body being broken for us I have even heard that phrase before But it says that none of his bones were broken So I don't know I need to read more about that uh, Go do, Once again that's another deep dive subject um yeah because none of his bones were broken and yeah here we go they were not allowed to break any of the passover animals that they sacrificed none of their bones and the lamb's bones because it was a foreshadowing to jesus's uh, being our passover lamb so (laughs) this is deep this is deep stuff like you could really spend an entire day researching and once again i always say the bible is simple enough for a child to understand but complicated and complex enough for an adult to just get lost in the bible for eternity um yeah that's why this is called chew the bible because you gotta keep chewing on it keep chewing on it so and it's good that's the thing about chewing when you choose something, you savor it. You enjoy it. Like, sometimes, have you ever eaten something that's so good? It's like, I don't even want to swallow this. I want to I enjoy every bite of this. Like, yeah. That's the funny thing about eating, is all it is is just, it's like our taste buds play a funny trick on us. Like, <laughs> we're eating something, and it's like, yeah, it's these little momentary. <laughs> moments of joy whether you name whatever it is the apple pie the cheesecake the steak the shrimp whatever you enjoy the yeah the gumbo you name the food i'm making some of y'all hungry you name the food and it's like good for a moment but all it is is supposed to just food is just supposed to, supposed to nourish you i even my grandma we had this conversation um she's like yeah, "As i get older there's a lot of things i can't eat because it affects my you know digestive system and and I've just um she always brings up the story about this young kid that she met in the hospital when she was getting her tonsils taken out who had uh drank she drank the the child had drank some lye or whatever and it burned out the child's intestines, so sometimes they would put food in in his mouth so that he could just like en- enjoy it and the taste of it, but then he had to spit it out everything that he um ate had to be like fed through him in a tube a liquid tube or something like that just to nourish his body so anyway where's i going with that the main thing i'm trying to say is like chewing food and yeah the whole process of chewing and and savoring it is really just part of it is so that it can you can digest it better there's two parts of that. Yeah, to digest you chew up the food so it digests better. It goes down your esophagus and all the intestines or whatever so it comes out cleanly when it passes through the other side. The other part of that, you can get on blockages and all that. Yeah. Indigestion. The other part of that is chewing is to actually enjoy it and savor it. And that's the part that I love the most about eating food and eating this word. Is you actually get to savor it and it's crazy. Like before I go to the Bible, sometimes I'm depressed or I'm sad or I'm angry or I'm frustrated or like there's times I don't even want to go to the Bible because I know it's going to tell me to do something or convict me in some kind of way. Um, and I'm, I i do not want to hear what it has to say, but then I get into it and I feel better. Like I feel empowered. I feel rich. I feel, um, ready to face whatever comes my way for the rest of the day, like like holes in your tire or whatever. Um, at first I was kind of, you know, bummed about because I was ready gun ho. You know, you know how it is. You're ready to start your day, you're ready to go make this money, you're ready to do whatever you whatever your agenda is for that day. And then something comes along and derails it, you have to go back into Goodyear in about two hours. Yeah, at one Because they couldn't fit me in. They were busy. <laughs> and so and I could have gone a discount tire, but I got the entire insurance with Goodyear. So I was like, might as well just go with them. So anyway, let me close this out. Um dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. We thank you, Lord, for these traditions that we have, this great cloud of witnesses of the children of Israel who witnessed your power. You All the things that you did, just starting with you taking them out of the land of Egypt, the land of slavery, that they were in there for 450 years, God. I've been divorced for three years, and it feels like eternity. And so (laughs) I've been single for, yeah, going on two years, and it feels like a long time. I can, like, how small are those things compared to having to be under the rule, the enslaving Oppressive rule of the Egyptians For that for 430 years 430 years And my ancestors were enslaved From yeah 18 the 1800s All the way until yeah What is it uh yeah Hold on when when the Emancipation so yeah 1865 when it finally happened? All the years that they that they had to endure slavery uh here in America and all the colonization that happened over in Europe before then. Um anyway, God, and just all the things they had to endure for two for the next over two hundred years to even get the rights to be viewed as citizens here in America. Our our ancestors had to deal with that. So God is praying in the name of Jesus. I thank you that healing is taking place in our nation and will continue to take place around the world. Um, God, you are allowing things to happen to get our attention and to wake us up. I just thank you, God. I thank you God that we can look forward to so many things happening. Um for our good. And uh, Lord, ultimately, Lord, I thank you for uh, the Romans road of salvation. That says uh, Romans three twenty three for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Romans six twenty three for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans five eight, but God commended His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. Christ died for us, and he said, for whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Romans ten thirteen, and lastly, Romans ten nine through ten says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe, and uh, so confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thy heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So, Lord, I just pray that those, once again, who never heard those scriptures before, they would just cry out to you and just declare that you are their God and that they would recognize that they are a sinner. Oh, yeah, we'll do the five R's. Yeah, recognize that they are a sinner and that they would... Uh, that would cause them to repent and name the sins or the lying, the fornicating, the stealing, the you name the sin, God. They would name it and declare it and that it was that's wrong and that they would receive. They would uh, cause them to repent or turn the opposite way. And they would stop doing what they were, uh, whatever they're doing and they would trust that you would empower them to stop it. Whatever that habit is, you would empower them to do it. And then they will receive your forgiveness. They will receive your forgiveness, knowing that, that you died on the cross to atone for their sins and that they are forgiven, that their sins are as far as the east is from the west. And um, and then they would, re, they, after they receive that, uh, your forgiveness, that they would uh, rebuke the lies of the enemy. That when the enemy tries to come in and say, Oh, you're not saved. Oh, um, Jesus, you know, who is he? Why why are you following him? What is the point of that? Um, all the lies that come to bombard their mind or tell them that they're still slaves to sin, that they're still captives in Babylon. They're still captives in Egypt, that they would know no, I'm free. I've been set free. I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed from the, the pit of hell, from from the, the, um, the shackles of Satan. They've been redeemed from that. And they were, yes, they would let truth drive the train. They would replace those lies of the enemy. And they will rebuke rebuke them. They will replace those lies with the truth of your word. Yes, God, they will will rebuke the enemy and then replace all that uh, with the truth of your word. Pray that they will find a good church um, that they can grow in and uh, really um, be surrounded by other believers that can help them um, really know your word, study your word. and, And yeah, Lord, just walk, walk in your power, walk in your victory from this point on in jesus mighty name i pray amen all right y'all that was a little bit longer episode because yeah that was a longer chapter but thank you for listening and uh god bless y'all have a wonderful amazing day i'm probably gonna do at least let's see here we got exodus 13 coming up next yeah on exodus 13 yeah, we're gonna go ahead and do one more episode before I prepare to, and that'll be much shorter—only twenty-two verses. Yeah, we'll do that before I prepare to go to back to Goodyear to get this ta- this tire situation figured out. So, anyway, God bless y'all. Have a wonderful day, and I'll be back in five minutes or less. Yes, sir. Jesus yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Yes, Jesus Christ Yes, God. Hallelujah. Yes. We don't want no devils in the house. Though. Yes. We Lord. want the Lord. Yes. And the yes. Yes.